Well, we're going to continue to teach in, uh, this should be our final teaching. We are one in the Father and in the Son. And I'm, we're going to begin reading out of Isaiah 53. And, and boy, we could just, we could probably spend a few weeks just teaching in here. And that's not my objective. I want to pull something out of here today. But, uh, you know, all throughout the Old Testament, God was, you know, with the prophets and so forth. He was, he was foretelling about his son to come. He was, uh, because we were people in hope, in need of hope, in need of his hope after the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. And this is probably the most detailed depiction of what Jesus did for us at the cross, atoning for our sins and atoning for everything that would affect us because of our sinful condition, right? Oppression, depression, uh, sickness, illness, all these things that we face, we still live in because we don't have this uh, glorified body yet. Uh, we're still imperfect in our flesh. And uh, so we're, we're still experiencing these things. But Jesus did it. He, he, he won the battle for us. But he also provided, we're going to see, he provided for all of our needs that we have in this life, included healing, deliverance, deliverance from every kind of oppression, uh, the, the attacks of the enemy. How many of you know the enemy has a different plan? But God's plan is the best plan. And God's plan is always a triumphant plan in our lives. Amen? Amen? And so how do we reach that place of triumph and victory in our lives? Through trusting in what Jesus did for us at the cross. Amen? So beginning in verse 1, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word griefs here means disease, sickness. Our griefs are disease and sickness and illness. That's an effect of sin. And God's not imputing that upon us. God's not punishing our sins through these things. But it's just an effect of living in an imperfect condition because of the sinful nature of Adam and Eve, our continued sinful nature. It's just a byproduct of that. But Jesus came to free us from all this and save us from that. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word sorrows in the Old Testament, uh, macabre, which means uh, pain, physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain. So every kind of, every kind of affliction that could come against our, our flesh, Jesus actually, that's what he bore upon his body. And so he provided healing in this life to come, but we have ultimate, life, we have ultimate healing through the resurrection life that we have in us. We have his life living in us. We have the hope of everlasting life. And one day we will experience that, and we will experience perfect healing, perfect wholeness. We will have a glorified body without affliction of any kind, no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrows. Amen? So this is just a temporary thing in this life right now, but we have to be encouraged to know he did it. He paid for it, for this healing. Right now he paid for this healing. Amen. What a gift. He, we think so often that 
as we hear in Christian realms that, oh, you know, I'm saved. I got my ticket and I'm going to heaven. And God's gift is so much greater. His gift covers everything that we'll ever need in this life. And we don't have to deal with the afflictions that the enemy wants us to wallow in and to agree with. We can disagree and not receive and stand in the truth. And that's what we hope to, to depart or impart into you know, the, the people that we're ministering to so that they can have hope that uh, what they're experiencing in this world, they have authority over. They can speak to. They can tell it to leave. And Jesus did it constantly as an example for us in his ministry in those three years. He would ask you, what is it you want? All you have to do is believe. Just believe. Amen. Amen. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Wasn't that the response of those who were responsible for condemning him to death and those who put him to death and mocking him and making fun of him and saying, how could you be Lord? How could you be God? How could you be a redeemer if you're going to hang on that cross? You're going to suffer and die the most gruesome death possible, the, a death that was prescribed only for the worst kind of criminals. But it, through that suffering and through that death he endured, that it, it, he took all of our sins upon him, his body and upon himself. And that's what we truly all deserve. That was the just punishment for all of the sins of the whole world. Amen? But the world didn't understand, right? So yet he was, he was esteemed that he was, it was, it was esteemed that he was stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Our peace, the peace, the chastisement of our peace that was upon him, that he would, all of this has to do with our redemption here. He was wounded for our transgressions so we could be forgiven, so our sins could be washed away, right? He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He suffered. He took our punishment. He took our judgment upon his body. That's what he did for the sake of our redemption so we could have peace with God, so we would no longer be enemies with God, so God would open his arms and open his kingdom and say, as I made you in the beginning, I made you with an everlasting love. So enter into my everlasting rest, right? But it's through Christ, it's through the cross, it's through his suffering that we receive redemption, that we receive healing, that we receive forgiveness for our sins. And by his stripes we are healed. He was beaten, his back was lashed, was torn apart, his flesh was ripped open so we could be healed. So he could atone for, so he could reverse the effects of our sinful condition now. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isn't this amazing? I mean, it's, it's a detailed projection of what Jesus would do and suffer and die for us. Right? And you wonder, how could it be missed, right? But it, there it is. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Isn't he the 
holy lamb of God who was slain since before the foundation of the world, as was God's plan. He, he didn't have to go to the cross. I mean, he did, but he didn't. He's God, but that's the only way by which we could be redeemed. That was his plan, that he would go to the cross, suffer and go to the cross. And see, nobody understood that. The world didn't understand it. When it happened, his apostles didn't understand it. They ran. They were scattered. They probably went back to their boats and thought, well, we're going to go back to our, our fishing career. You know, they were commercial fishermen, right? Most of them, and tent makers and whatever else, tax collectors, right? And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. It was our judgment that he bore. It was our bondage that he went to the cross to set us free from. And who would declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He, he died for us. He died in the flesh for us. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Man, he was the perfect, holy, unblemished Lamb of God. He was without sin, without stain. But yet he suffered as though he was the worst kind of criminal there was. And that was a reflection of who we were. In verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, pleased his father to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. I want to take you back what I want to really point out here. It says, when, he, when you make his soul an offering for sin, then he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his day, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. That word seed comes from, a, in this case, the Hebrew word zera. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, in the Greek word, word, word would be sperma. It's the same definition of seed. It means seed sowing offspring. It makes mention of offspring, sowing seed, um, semen viral, offspring. In other words, it's a productive seed that this is making reference to. It makes reference to man and the reproductive nature of man. But in this case, the seed would be his very spirit that he would put in us. And after he would suffer and die, that's the only way we could, we could be approved to be born again. We had to be recreated. We had to be made new. We had to... God had to change that old nature, and that's what he's done. We haven't seen in the full manifestation... But man, it's already begun. So every, every person that's already received him, his spirit is joined together with us. That's the rebirth took place there. There's something took place on, on the day we believe and we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior in our lives. And we truly became a new creation in him. Therefore, we are his seed. Therefore, we are the pleasure of the Lord, his Father, in him 
and that because of this it shall prosper in his hand. What was to prosper is our redemption. Those who would receive him, it was not in vain. It was not in waste. But as he was the giver of life in the beginning, the very word spoken out, now he was that word that returned, that came back to the earth and to become one of us, to live perfectly so he would be justified to be raised from the grave, rise from the grave when he died. And therefore, becoming the new Adam, the first sinful Adam, and we, we all inherited his blemish. But God, our Father, provided through Jesus and through his glorious sacrifice a way for us to inherit now not, not the curse and not you know, to be at war with God, to, but to be one with God, to be renewed, to be restored, to become one with him. And so we would become his seed. We would become his pleasure that would prosper in his hand. It's hard for us to fathom. It's hard for us to comprehend how great is God's love, how great is God's mercy. Amen? It's explained right here. And if you go back to the very first uh, verse, can you go back up to, there you go. Good question, huh? Whose report will you believe? Will you believe the report of the Lord and the love that he has for us and what he did? He was a human being just like us. He had flesh and blood. He, he had emotions. He had everything that we have, and yet... The perfect God, who didn't have to leave his throne, came down here to go through this. And we're reading it. And everyone that lives has the opportunity to either read it or have it read to them. So whose report will you believe? We can present this to anyone, but it's up to them to receive that report and either believe it because the arm of God is being revealed in this entire scripture. So who, who do you believe? What do you believe? I believe the report of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Now I want to take you to 1 Peter chapter 1 and... Verses 22 and 23, and it reads, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus, his very name means our redemption from God, our Messiah, our Savior. It's his spirit, which is the incorruptible seed, which we have been born again of, right? We've been born again. We've been made new. Our spirit is as perfect as it will ever be. That's the start. And what the seed is is what the end result is going to be. We're just going through this process right now. 
And this is just a short time here on earth. This is a temporary stay, right? So don't dwell on your problems. Don't dwell on your afflictions. Don't, man, we have to, every day we need to rejoice in the hope by which we live because it is done. Jesus says, it is finished. Those were his final words, amen? So we have that seed of life, that seed of everlasting life living on the inside of us, which is his spirit, which will be forever joined. Our spirit will be forever joined with his spirit. But we are a new creation. See, before we got born again, we didn't look the same in his eyes, in the eyes of truth. We didn't look the same then as we do now because... What he did and suffered for us at the cross to pay the price for our redemption and make that even available to us. Now we're living with that new life. We have been made new. We have been washed clean. We're born again. In that, in that regard, God doesn't even see sin in our life anymore. He only sees the perfection of his son, Jesus Christ. Because that's our true nature now. See, we had a fallen nature before. We're still... We're still experiencing the results of that fallen nature, but you know what? We do not live as born-again Christians in a fallen nature anymore. Amen? We are living in a redeemed nature. That is our true identity in the eyes of our Heavenly Father and by virtue of what Jesus did for us and by virtue of us believing it to be true. It's only because of our faith, because we believe it to be true, that that power has taken effect in us. As Paul says in Romans uh, 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 chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's the word of God. For it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. It is our faith that unlocks and releases the power of the gospel into our lives to get, cause us to be born again, to cause us to be healed and experience miracles and healings and, and uh, uh, being set free from every kind of oppression and things that bog us down in this life. There's nothing we can't have victory over in this life because Jesus made provision for it already. If we just believe, if we just believe, it says then after that, he says that the just shall walk by faith. Our calling is to walk by faith. The greatest command now is to walk by faith in what Jesus did for us at the cross. Amen? In 1 Corinthians six seventeen. I'll just read it right here. It reads, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We're now one spirit with the Lord. Before we got born again, we were not one spirit with the Lord. Amen? We need to know the difference between then and between now in who we are. And I'm we're gonna, now we're going to go to Gospel of John chapter 17. And Jesus, first he, he prayed for his apostles, his disciples. And then he offered up a prayer for those who would believe. So in, in John chapter 17 and verse 20, it reads, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Our word is our testimony. Amen. Our word is when we share Jesus, we're given a testimony. Man, you need to hear about Jesus. 
Man, there is no hope apart from him. Man, we're living in this, we are living in this lost and dying world and it gets darker and darker each and every day, right? But there's hope for us. There's hope for all who would believe. Can I offer you the gift of life, the gift of everlasting life? Man, can I tell you who Jesus is in my life? Amen. Just what you're saying. It's so important that we share Jesus through our words, through who he is and, and, and how lovely he is. You know, the good things or the things that happen in your life, your testimony, like uh, Ernie was saying, he was just sharing with these people the truth of what Jesus has done in his life. That's his testimony. That's, that's edifying people with Jesus. He is the edifier. He, uh, if we can't share him, uh, then we don't love people. We don't love if we can't share who he is and, and encourage people to open their eyes to who he is, to see what he's done for them, because he's not a respecter of persons. He's done it for every human being that will ever walk this earth. And we know that because he went to hell and preached to the souls that were born before he arrived on the scene. Amen? He told them all about him, and they had the opportunity to choose life. Amen. So he said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Is this powerful? We know the, the relationship Jesus had with the Father and he had his spirit living in him and he, he was fellowshipping constantly with the Father. The Father was inspiring him. The Father was showing him the way he should go, what he should say, what he should do. No differently than now, we have the spirit of the Father and the Son living in us. And if we listen to that small, still voice, he speaks to us, he leads us, he guides us, he encourages us, he strengthens us. Amen? He comforts us, right? And his, that's his desire that we would have the same oneness that he has in his relationship with the Father. No different. It's like we've been invited in. Jesus says, hey, come. Here's my Father. Let me introduce you to my Father. And, and come here because we want you all to come up and be one with us as I'm one in the Father and he's one in me. Our desire my desire is that you would be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. See, we're going to receive glory in the end, not for our good works, right? Not because of our own righteousness. You know, how, how have we become righteous? Through faith in him. It's Christ's righteousness. And you know what that righteousness is? When we believe, he called us up, he invited us. And you know what? Come to the supper, come to the marriage banquet. And the first thing he does is he puts this robe upon us, this robe of righteousness. We are clothed in the robe of Christ's righteousness. See, it's not our righteousness. We cannot do enough good works to satisfy God and please God. 
Our best works are like filthy rags to God. But the works of Christ are perfect. And we have been wrapped in his robe of perfect righteousness. Amen? I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. How great is God's love? And that he would love us in the same way that he would love his son perfectly. So that means if his, son, if his love for his son is perfect, and if we have the same love from the Father that Jesus has, that means his love for us is perfect also. Isn't that awesome? Perfect. And we're going to be glorified through, through our faith in him through honoring his sacrifice, by saying yes to the gift of life. Yes. Man, rescue me from this, you know, mucky water, from this world of evil and darkness. Raise me up. Lift me up. That's what he's done. He's made a way. He came to rescue us. It's who's going who's gonna to call out for the life raft, like if you're in the middle of the ocean and you're stuck and, Man, there's no help in sight, and all of a sudden here comes either a boat or a helicopter, and a life raft comes down, right? And that's, that's really what our condition is. We have no hope. We're out like dropped out in the middle of the ocean, and there's sharks out there. Any moment we could be eaten up, right? But yet we cried out, and he came, and he, and he threw in the life raft. Amen? Amen. And, he pulled us, and he pulled us ashore. He pulled us to the boat, took us ashore. Washed us up, fed us, fed us with his word, his word of truth, his word of the gospel. Praise God, that's the word of life, right? The gospel is the word of life, right? And he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be one with me where I am and that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus has an everlasting past. Jesus was never born. He was born in the flesh, but he changed his nature to become one of us. So one day he would suffer and die for us. That was the plan of God, right? He's the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. That just means God had a plan way back then that he would go to the cross. Oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Amen. I hope you've been blessed. Uh, that's his heart. That's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of the Son. That's why he came. He came so he can manifest who he is, manifest his true nature, and God is love. Ryan's been teaching and preaching on love, and it's just been awesome. But you know what? Without love, we are nothing. So when we are one with the Father and one with the Son, we're filled with love. We're overflowing in love. Let that love just be poured out. Just let it be poured out. God wants it to be poured out like a spigot. Turn that spigot open and just pour out his love because the world needs his love. And when they experience the love of God through you, they will hear that word of testimony. They will hear the gospel of truth. 
and they will say, yes, I'm in. Throw me that life raft. I want what you have. I want everlasting life. Amen? And this okay. is the, the proof when God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. There it is. He's not only not going to leave us, he's going to live in us and the Father. We have the full spirit of God that's living in us. It's not going anywhere. Never going to leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord.